welcome to yet another episode of Ball With Y'all. So glad to be here with you today. I think this is what, our fourth episode now? This football season has been a ton of fun so far, and all the positive feedback we've gotten from you all shows that you're having fun along the way as well. So thank you for all of your support so far. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, subscribe, rate, and review if your preferred platform allows so we can continue to tailor this program to your taste and grow so that we provide improving content on a weekly basis. Much like last week, we had a wild week in the college sports world. We had five ranked teams go down, and of course there was a lot of news that just wasn't football, beyond football. We'll get into that in a little bit. To kick off today's episode though, I want to get into a new segment we put together for our Monday edition. The Weekend Wind Down, where we'll break down some of our leading storylines coming out of the action over the past few days. First headline coming out of our Weekend Wind Down. My conference is just better than your conference. The SEC is better than whoever you root for. Now, what do I mean by that? Um, Have you ever seen the movie Shrek? I'm sure you have. Shrek 1, Shrek 2, Shrek 3. I think there's a fourth Shrek. Shrek Happily Ever After or something along those lines. Point being... Shrek is a popular movie. It was, it was a great movie for me when I was a kid. And you come to learn when you look at it now that Shrek is loved by some people and he's hated by others, right? But he's the key character and he's on top of the world and everyone's trying to stop. Some people are trying to stop him. Some people are trying to help him. But at the end of the day, he is the key character. He's the key piece to the story. And without Shrek, what will we do? If you go to Universal Orlando Studios, one of the first things you come across is Shrek's 4D experience where they spray water on you and so on. Not to spoil it if you haven't been on that ride, I guess you might call it. But point being, Shrek is a big piece to the story. And some people don't necessarily love Shrek, but he's kind of hard to ignore. And in the same way, the SEC, the Southeastern Conference, is so hard to ignore whether you like them or not. Through the first two weeks, the SEC is 6-2 and against non-conference Power 5 teams with a total point differential of plus 72. This is from... Saturday Down South came out yesterday. Of course, those two losses and against the Power 5 non-conference teams was week one where LSU visited UCLA and UCLA came out on top. And then this past week when Tennessee hosted Pittsburgh and came out with a loss as well. Even when tested, the SEC usually comes out on top. You look at Texas A&M this week when they faced off against the Pac-12's Colorado. Georgia facing off against Clemson last week. Arkansas. They, they trounced the uh, Texas Longhorns. We'll talk about that in a little bit, as well as Mississippi State. I wasn't really expecting them to do so well against North Carolina State this week after a very poor showing in week one. But even still, when pushed to the brink against these other top-tier programs and these other top-tier conferences, the SEC stands high above. And if we learned anything from this past weekend, the SEC is not just Alabama and Georgia. It's not just Florida and LSU. It's not just the top four or five teams. The SEC is not overrated. ESPN is not artificially pumping up the SEC over other conferences because they just want to. No, it's because the SEC is just better than those other conferences. And we'll kind of get into that a little bit here. Ultimately speaking, the SEC just flexed their muscles this past weekend, and it shows why they are on top of the football world. And while they've been on top of the football world for quite some time, and will they will likely be on top of the world for the foreseeable future. Another top takeaway from this weekend is that it was an average week for the ACC, but it was a big week for the Clemson Tigers. A lot happened in the ACC this week, but they also left a lot on the table. Some of the results were especially surprising, too. For example, 
Um, okay, before we get into what exactly happened, have you ever spent a lot of money on a relationship, right? Uh, platonic or romantic, just any sort of relationship. And maybe it's 50 bucks, maybe it's 100 bucks, maybe it's $1,000 or perhaps even $10,000. I don't know what you're doing with your money, but even still, you spent a lot of money on somebody and then they went away and the relationship ends. And then you realize that you wasted all of that money. How does that feel, right? You felt... You probably felt a little empty, right? Because you just spent a lot of money on that person or that or that that relationship or whatever else, and now it's gone, right? The same thing happened up in Tallahassee this past weekend when FSU played the Jacksonville State Gamecocks. Now, first off, who is Jacksonville State? You may not be familiar, especially if you're not from the South or the state of Alabama particularly. Jacksonville State is a small public school in eastern Alabama, pretty close to the Georgia border, uh, Georgia state line rather. Only about 8,000 total students in an undergrad capacity there at JSU. Of course, Florida State, we all know about Florida State. They have 32,000 undergrad students, so a substantially bigger campus. And if you're unfamiliar with when uh, these bigger schools, they bring in smaller schools, usually they pay the smaller schools to play them because it it helps the, the bigger school fill their schedule. It also helps the smaller school to pay for facilities and whatever else, scholarships and so on. It's, it's usually a big deal for these smaller schools to get that payout. In this case, Florida State paid Jacksonville State University $400,000 to play them in their second game of the season. Did you see how Florida State's game ended this past Saturday? It was a disaster by all accounts. They were winning uh, pretty, I think it was 17-7, to and then Jacksonville State had a, had a quick 97-yard uh, 90, touchdown drive. They cut it to 3, 17-14, uh, even still not a big deal, right? Then Jacksonville State's got the ball, 30 seconds to go, not a big deal at all. They're fine, everything's good. And with six seconds to go, they throw a Hail Mary. It goes about 45, 50 yards. It's caught at the 10-yard line. You think, okay, just tackle the guy and move on. Florida State forgot how to tackle. I guess they didn't practice tackling that week in practice. And lo and behold, Jacksonville State wins the game on a last-second Hail Mary. Looking at some Florida State fans post-game, there was a lot of disappointment. Some fans were calling this the worst loss in Florida State history. Other people were saying this was the death sentence for the program. This was just a laughable moment, to say the least. This is also FSU's first loss to a non-FBS opponent since 1959 against William and Mary. So they had a good showing in Week 1 against Notre Dame, although... We'll, we'll talk about it a little bit when it comes to, we don't really know what Notre Dame is now, but after a good showing, Florida State's now 0-2. And if you look at their schedule, it's going to be hard for them to become bowl eligible. I just don't see a lot of wins on that schedule. And it also seems like FSU just wasted a ton of money down in Tallahassee. Another notable game for the ACC this weekend was Miami. They won the game against Appalachian State, but I would say that being a Miami fan is a lot like being in an emotionally abusive relationship, whether that's someone that you're romantically involved in or or maybe just a friend that's emotionally abusive, where, you know, they treat you poorly, but then they make concessions. They say, oh, I'm going to change. Oh, well, I'll give you this so you don't leave and all that kind of stuff, right? And you buy in. You're like, okay, they give you a little bit of hope and you think, well, maybe they're going to actually change. And then eventually they revert to back to who they were and they show their true colors and nothing was ever changed. Being a Miami fan is exactly like that. They have hope, right? They see they see De'Eric King coming back. They think that this will be the year that Miami will be back. And they lose to Alabama, but it's okay because it's Alabama. It's different. You know, the Alabama doesn't count. 
win our ACC games and it's okay. This wasn't even an ACC game. This is Appalachian State. And granted, Appalachian State is a good team, right? Miami is only favored by seven, but they barely snuck away with a win down in Miami Gardens. In fact, the highlight for most people of this game wasn't even related to the game itself. You might have seen the clip. There was a cat hanging from the upper level. And it it was dangling, it was about to fall, and there were a number of fans that actually used an American flag, pretty poetic given the day that we were on, of course, 9-11, caught the cat when it fell with the American flag. And although we may have a playoff game in Miami this year, it seems like we already have a front runner for catch of the year with that catch of the cat. And it seems like the cat's all right, so we're all square on that front. If you do look at the schedule for the Hurricanes, though, unlike FSU, I do think bowl eligibility is still pretty feasible but not with performances like last night. So if you're a Hurricanes fan, my thoughts and prayers are with you right now for the season ahead. Now, I mentioned that Clemson really benefited from this past weekend's action, and when I was watching the football this weekend, all the different games, I I was thinking back to when I was growing up, and I remember my mom watching a ton of soap operas. If you think of, you know, The Young and the Restless, I think Days of Our Lives, all that kind of stuff, where people die all the time on those shows. But then you you wait a few months or maybe a year or two, and then they come back, and they, they never really died. Sometimes they fake their death, sometimes we're, we're put in some suspense, and we don't really know what happened to that character. And in the same way, Clemson just does not die. And of course, their game this week didn't really mean a whole lot in the grand scheme of things. I believe they played South Carolina State, and of course they did well. Uh, not a surprise there whatsoever. But I said last week that Clemson was going to need a lot of help to make the college football playoff. And then, of course, this week, Iowa State lost, Ohio State lost, and Notre Dame and Texas A&M did not look good whatsoever in their game. So, of course, Clemson will likely win their conference, they'll likely win the ACC, and they're already getting some of the help that they need. Of course, they still probably need some more teams to lose, but this weekend was absolutely a positive sign if you're a Clemson Tiger football fan. Last thing, you may have seen the headline come out just before the games kicked off this past weekend. The Big 12 is expanding. They're adding four teams, BYU, four schools rather, BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and the University of Central Florida. These schools will be coming as early as 2023, and it represents all sports. But this expansion pales in comparison to the SEC's expansion. They're adding on, of course, three of the most prominent teams from the American Athletic Conference and one of the most prominent independent schools, and now the Big 12 will actually be 12 schools It's not going to be 10 like it is right now. It's not going to be 8 like it would have been after Oklahoma and Texas leave. But replacing Texas and Oklahoma with these four schools in particular is incomparable. Think of the former, Texas and Oklahoma, have a combined 73 appearances in the most prominent bowl games around. The Rose Bowl, the Peach Bowl, the Orange Bowl, Fiesta Bowl, Cotton Bowl, Sugar Bowl. The latter, those four teams, BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, UCF, have a combined 11 appearances. Two different ballparks. Of course, they didn't necessarily have the opportunities, the exposure as a result of the conferences, or in BYU's case, the lack thereof that they were currently finding themselves. But I struggle to see the Big 12 as a Power 5 conference, even with these moves. They don't have the draw that Oklahoma and Texas once did. And now if you look at the, at the Big 12, who's the most prominent team in that conference? Is it UCF? Is it Baylor? Is it TCU? None of those brands really stand out in my eyes, and as a result, I really struggle to see them as a Power 5 conference moving forward. Of course, the Big Ten matters, the Pac-12 matters, the SEC definitely matters, the ACC matters. 
I don't see how the Big 12 really compares at this stage. But one other interesting thing that stands out from this decision is that geography doesn't matter. We're likely going to have future expansion. Uh, the Pac-12 will likely expand. The Big 10 will likely expand. ACC and so on. For a long time, you would have thought, okay, you generally would see Southeastern teams in the Southeastern Conference. You would generally see the Texas, Oklahomas, and that region in the Big 12. You would generally see the Midwest teams in the Big 10. But this shows that geography does not matter. UCF and Cincinnati, those schools are not even close to the Big 12's traditional region. So when we look at future expansion for whoever, whatever, whatever conference out there, geography is pretty irrelevant moving forward, most likely. So that is our weekend wind down. We also had the AP poll come out yesterday afternoon. There was a lot of movement up there. You saw Oregon go up to number four after their big win against the Ohio State Buckeyes. Ohio State dropping down six spots to number nine. Oklahoma is now your new number three. Iowa is up five spots after a big win on the road against Iowa State. Now sitting at number five, both Texas A&M and Notre Dame. They slipped a little bit after narrowly escaping upsets to number seven and number 12, respectively. And then we also saw some old faces leaving and some new faces coming in. USC, Texas, and Utah all fell out of the AP Top 25. We also had some new entrants, Arkansas sitting at number 20, BYU sitting at number 23, and Michigan at number 25. Some other notable results that came out of this weekend. We saw Iowa and Iowa State face off in a number 9 versus number 10 matchup. We saw Iowa's defense hold strong. They forced Brock Purdy and Brees Hall into some pretty disastrous mistakes, forcing four turnovers, including a pretty significant Brees Hall fumble that led directly to an Iowa touchdown. Iowa extended its win streak against the Cyclones to six straight games. And of course, Iowa's offense did not wow us at all during the game, but it took care of the ball, and that's all it needs. Moving forward, it looks to play a prominent role in the Big Ten, and I would not be surprised if we see them in the Big Ten championship come December. Speaking of the Big Ten, we also had Ohio State taking on Oregon. I said on Thursday I did not expect Ohio State to lose their home opener. I was wrong. Ryan Day, the head coach for Ohio State, this is his first regular season loss in his head coaching career. Of course, quarterback C.J. Stroud for Ohio State, he put up some pretty gaudy numbers with 54 pass attempts. On defense, Oregon was missing two of its best players due to injury, but at the end of the day, they came away with their second ever road win against an AP top three team. Offensively, Oregon's speed was far too much for the Buckeyes, and that kind of surprised me, honestly, because on the East Coast, that was a noon kick. So for those boys coming over from Oregon, they're waking up at, what, 5, 6 a.m. for a game that they would normally be playing at probably 3 in the afternoon. So it was a shock to their system, but they went out there and played as though they were comfortable, as though they were in Eugene, Oregon. Oregon is a prominent playoff contender now, and I don't think Ohio State is sunk so far. I don't think their season is sunk, but they are definitely not in good shape right now, and they have a lot to fix, especially on the defensive side of the ball. We also had a couple top teams survive some pretty disastrous upset attempts. Not many expected Colorado to give AM a tough game, and nor did anyone expect Toledo to give Notre Dame a tough game. Both schools were heavy favorites, and both schools required last-minute scoring drives to avoid upsets. Looking at Texas A&M, A&M lost their starting quarterback, Haynes King III, early to an injury, and as a result of that, they were unable to move the ball for basically 95% of the game. Their defense, however, they kept them in the game, and they probably preserved their playoff hopes as a result, but they definitely need to get that offense fixed. 
for Notre Dame. They were trailing at halftime and also with a minute and a half to go in the game as well. A Jack Cohn touchdown pass with less than 30 seconds. Moments after he dislocated his finger and had to have that reset on the sideline helped avoid an upset and helped avoid disaster. And that's actually a good segue to what I'm told is our first caller of the year. This is Dylan from New Jersey. It appears that Dylan had some strong thoughts on the Fighting Irish yesterday after their lackluster performance this weekend. Dylan, what do you got for us? Hey, Sean. It's Dylan. Long-time listener. First-time caller. Giving you a call from the great state of New Jersey. Beautiful day outside, you know, just sitting in traffic waiting for my New York football Giants to kick off at 4.30 against the Denver Broncos. But wanted to give you a call, wanted to talk a little bit about my Notre Dame football team. Scary win against Florida State. I mean, man, what a game. We should have blew them out in the first half. But, you know, Brian Kelly always likes to keep things interesting. A little more than out to my liking, but, hey, we'll take it, all right? Beautiful kick by my boy John Deere as we call them. Then we come into Toledo, first home game of the year. And man, did we almost blow it. Jake Cohn, Jack Cohen, whatever your name is, Cohn, 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 breaks his finger, then comes out, throws a bomb to Mayer. He's going to be in the NFL in a couple years. Want to get your thoughts on Notre Dame this year. I mean, QB situation, it's kind of up in the air now. Do we keep the veteran or do we go with the freshman from California? who doesn't even really look like a football player, if you ask me. I don't know. Our offensive line, it's not really good. I mean, a lot of injuries at left tackle. We're on our fourth left tackle. Veteran center, Jarrett Patterson. Defensive line, they're shaky. I like our secondary. I like our linebackers. Kyle Hamilton, he's going to be a top five pick in the draft this year. But, man, Brian Kelly, he's talking about executing players. I think he needs to get executed because the way he coaches this team up, he, he, he treats us like we're a West Coast offense team, and we're not. We're just a team from Indiana. Well, want to get your thoughts and everything. Also, too, why the heck was this game on Peacock TV? Since when does Notre Dame play on Peacock TV? I had to pay money to watch a game on Peacock TV? Unbelievable. Want to get your thoughts. I mean, Ohio State, they lost. I mean, Iowa State, they lost as well, too. Clemson, we all know what happened with them. They wet the bed. So there's there's a good chance that we know we can sneak into a playoff. But, I mean, if we're playing the way we, get, we played against Toledo, man, oh, man, we're in, we're in deep trouble. So feel free. Tell me your thoughts. Go Irish. Thanks so much for the call, Dylan. It's great to hear that we have fans all the way up in New Jersey as well. Listen, the Irish are always a team that can't really afford a whole lot of adversity. Being an independent school, they don't have the luxury of conference scheduling and a conference championship game to help boost their playoff resume. Right now, you're 2-0, but that could have easily been 0-2 instead with a couple unlucky breaks. On the bright side, of course, Kelly has acknowledged that there's a lot of work to do. Of course, generally speaking, I have always kind of seen Brian Kelly more as someone who struggles in the big moments, in the big games, but... Early on, it seems as though they've been struggling in the little moments. They've been very sloppy on the offensive side of the ball. They have very little run game at this point in time. Their defense is more porous than many of us had been expecting. But I do think that there are solutions and reasons behind what you're seeing. The offensive line has dealt with a series of injuries, from what I've heard, and you're also breaking in a new defensive coordinator. Of course, right now, the only problem is you don't have a lot of time to fix those things. You've got 
a relatively tough game against Purdue this weekend, followed by a road game at Wisconsin, a home game against a pesky Cincinnati team, and a road game in Lane Stadium against a defensive stalwart in Virginia Tech, a team that just beat North Carolina not too long ago. The schedule has gotten a lot tougher, it's gotten a lot harder than it was at first, and that doesn't necessarily bode well for your odds to emerge undefeated and secure a spot in the playoff. On the Peacock thing, that was a disaster by the highest order. You don't put your top brand, or one of your top brands, on your B network, even if it's a lower level game. Of course, this is just a sign of things to come as cord cutting grows in scope, but it's underwhelming for sports fans like us that have become accustomed to the luxuries that come with cable subscriptions. So Dylan, just if I can provide any encouragement, Notre Dame will probably be just fine. You do have some tough weekends ahead, as I noted with your schedule moving forward, but Brian Kelly, he's a mastermind. He's been around for a while. I'll believe in him until he proves me wrong. So just get ready for the road ahead, and I think you'll be just all right. Thanks again for the call. Uh, Like I said, great to hear that we've got listeners all the way up the East Coast. Lastly, our last notable game from this weekend was Texas going down to Fayetteville, Arkansas. Texas, they looked great last week, but they got trounced this week. Texas's run defense, they they looked really strong a week ago, but they they literally got run over by Arkansas. 333 rushing yards, four touchdowns. This is Arkansas's first 300 rushing yard game since November 2016. Much like being a Miami fan, supporting the University of Texas is a, it seems to be a pretty draining experience that always has you expecting more than you get. It's like biting into what you think is a mint chocolate chip ice cream cone, but it's actually pistachio. There's so many expectations for the University of Texas, and they have not delivered time and time again. Arkansas is not that good. I mean, they haven't been good as of late, and I don't really think that they're good right now. Texas just lost to one of the worst teams in its future conference. Let that sink in. It's not a good sign for the Longhorns, and it's definitely not a good sign for Steve Sarkeesian as he kicks off his career for the Longhorns as the head coach. Week two was a lot crazier than expected, to be sure. Looking ahead to next week, I'm already excited for the games we have on tap. Remember to join us on Thursday as we preview those matchups and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Have a great Monday, and as always, thanks for allowing us to kick off your week by talking some ball with you.